welcome to Put Em On Glass podcast. We will tackle everything auto glass related and also some things that may not be so much auto glass related. I'd like to thank you for your time and just enjoy the show. Hopefully you get a couple laughs and without any further ado, here is Put Them On The Glass. Okay, everyone, so this is going to be like a filler episode because I've got a super exciting one coming up. I'm hopefully going to get to record that tomorrow. Um, it depends on if our schedules line up. And boy, we have a, a great topic for that one. So this one's just a little filler so I don't let you know it slide too long and not get one out on a Monday. Um, not sure. Depends on how quickly the interview goes, if it's nice and short, if it's you know, one of those ones that go like longer. Um, but I do think this guy uh, will be on multiple times. Uh, same with Damon. Um, got some other friends who I'm going to have on, which will be nice. Um, I, uh, yeah, this one's going to be a little bit of a filler. Going to do some story time. Going to do some uh, some things like that, and uh, we'll see what happens. So I'm going to have another uh, one of my friends on today. Uh, we're going to talk about a few different things, but uh, while he's getting set up, I'm going to do this like uh, today. This episode is brought to you by the Auto Glass University, which I'm an instructor. We have a class coming up December 4th through the 8th in Huntersville, North Carolina. Um, the phone number is 704-906-6768, but go to autoglassuniversity.org and click on to register for an event. Click here. I mean, we'll have more events, obviously, the years coming up and everything. But if you can get registered for that December class, get your tech certified, get yourself certified. Um, just learn a little bit to where we don't have these uh, hiccups that we have, you know, on and off. Uh, try to make sure that everybody is, uh, you know, the hiccups. We're, I'm going to have a, an episode about the hiccups uh, <laughs> coming up. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But... Um, as soon as my uh, friend gets available to come on, I'll let him introduce himself and everything. But while we're waiting on him to get going, um, I'm going to start this episode with a little a little funny story. Uh, I was hearing, I was on Facebook and I heard that, uh, well, I read, not heard. I mean, I don't have it read, dictate to me. But uh, like little things that happen. Um, so <laughs> I have had twice, two times now, that... Um, this is before I got my locking system for my pack out that locks it into the uh, floor. And I had my two, three drawers and the two drawers on the bottom. So it's like eight, eight drawers total with the top on it. Um, I'm sure everybody's seen their setup, my setup. Everybody's getting sick and tired of seeing my fucking face after September. And I don't blame y'all. But uh, so I took off from this fucking stop sign and I heard the fucking toolbox fall. Bradley. And I took off from the stop sign, and I heard something, and next thing I know, boom, and broke a fucking windshield. <laughs> so, like, even at 20 years in, man, shit happens. And it happened a lot more in the earlier days, and obviously I'll get to some stories like that. But uh, give me one second. I'm going to get my friend on here. All right, everyone. Uh, my good friend is on. I'm going to let him introduce himself. Go ahead. Hey, this is Aaron Bradford. So I am self-employed, run an owner-operator 
here at Driplet Autoglass down in Brunswick, Georgia. Also an instructor up at Autoglass University, helping Bob with his classes up there and get into the competitive side of Autoglass with the competitions up at Autoglass Week each year, but carry just about every certification we can get our hands on to kind of put our customers at ease and know that we're putting our best foot forward. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of like where I came into the industry as well was uh, obviously we've been doing it pretty close to the same amount of time, you and I. Um, I don't think that there's any like real super big difference that separate us. Um, the only thing I can think of is, you know, I'm in Ohio where it's fucking cold 90% of the time and you're in Georgia. Um, we both enjoy a lot of the same like hobbies and everything, but uh we're going to go into telling the story here about how Aaron and I met. Uh, we met in Orlando at Autoglass Week. And actually, we met because of our wives talking outside of the competition ring uh, when we both made the finals that year. Um, our wives, were they're both hikers as well, and they started talking. And then, like, shortly after the finals, was it the finals, Aaron, or was it the heats? I believe we may have met in between heats. Yeah, I know. I remember we met each other when you were scrambling, getting everything out for the check-in meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, like, okay, so I'm sure I've told this story before, and everybody's heard it. And like I said, everybody's getting sick of seeing my fucking face. But this story is kind of crazy. So my wife and I did a week-long bicycle trip from Pittsburgh to D.C. Then we get in a car, we drive back to Ohio, grab another car, and our dog drive to Orlando. The competition meeting was supposed to be at 6.30. Well, then they moved it up to 3.30. We pull into the parking lot at 3, and I go to register, and they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, the competitor meeting is at 3.30. And I'm like, oh, shit, because I parked like a fucking mile away, dude. Like, I wasn't, like, right up against the, the – I was in the back of the building. I wasn't right up against the front. So I'm, like, call my wife, and I'm like, yo, get my, get my, uh, my uh, binder out. Get my clothes out get everything I would need for my competition out and I'll be on my way. I get there, dude. She's holding a towel up in the back of the fucking car. And I'm like going full on birthday suit, throwing my shit. Cause you know, I'm in a pair of sweatpants, <laughs> no undies, you know, I'm rolling comfy cause we're just driving. And I thought I'd have enough time to hit the Airbnb and come back. And nope. So I hurry up, scramble that on and I run back across the building. And then that's when I get to the competitor meeting. And did I, we kind of did we bump into each other when I was going out, or was it at the competitor meeting when I was kind of letting everybody in on the secret of how I was all natural in the parking lot? I, I think it was at the competitor meeting because I had stepped outside for my terrible habits, and <laughs> it was about right the time when you pulled up there. Yeah. So we met. But yeah, the- it is amazing how every year no matter how many of these competitions we do, there is always people that get caught off guard with the original meeting there and everybody's scrambling, trying to get paperwork and everything together at the last minute. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, 100%. And it's happened every year, even with like the top competitors, the top guys in the uh, industry. I remember like McKenzie was missing a couple things one year and Jorge was missing a couple things one year. And then like Daniel was missing a couple things today. Jimmy, I mean, not today, this, this year with Jimmy, he, none of his stuff showed up on his flight. So that was kind of interesting for him, but I agree with you. Everybody's scrambling and, and trying to, to get it done to get into the meeting. But so did, 
Lisa and Caitlin meet um, at the heat, or was it because I remember you guys uh, came up the next day to the house where we were staying. So, yeah, I think they really met kind of afterwards. They probably were talking some there at the competition. And then when we went out to grab some food or something, I think was when kind of the breaking the ice and everything. Yeah. I just remember, even though you were a competitor, you and I hit it off like pretty much immediately. Um, I remember walking away from the heat just being like, I don't know, like just I like, man, this dude is solid. Like I, I can learn. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Much. I can that's, learn so much from him. That That's one of those things. I look at it this way. I'm not going to get any points for I'm, I'm not going further in the competition by not making friends with my competitors. So I'd rather have friends in the industry that we can learn from, push us to compete at a higher level. You never know when that connection is going to come in handy. Yeah, well said. And then you and I ended up bunking together in San Antonio and the the letdown of that, you know. <laughs> I, I really do think that you and I both were just severely crushed not making the finals in San Antonio. That was like a somber Airbnb for a while. Like, it... <laughs> Well, we made a good uh, – a good comeback this year, oh, I would no. say. percent. <laughs> oh, so like talking about this year, okay. So like, uh, we get to the finals. Obviously, we're in the heats together. We're, we're not in the heat together, but obviously, we're watching each other, cheering each other on. And then you know, you watch my heat, I watch your heat. We both feel confident about it. We're, you know, you and I talk pretty much daily, and even more so down there at the competition. And uh, so. <laughs> Like, we're standing there for the heat, and then they give us the 10 minutes to uh, do our tools, right? And, like, I realized at that point, I can't go outside the competition area to give, you know, Lisa a hug. And I just needed, I just needed a hug, dude. Like, I just, like, fuck, I got so much to, <laughs> I see you standing up there. Because they intentionally put us on the same end of the floor, so Bob couldn't judge us, you know? Um mm -hmm. And I just seen you standing over there. I was like, dude, that's my friend. I just went over and gave you a big-ass hug. I know going through your <laughs> mind, you had to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, it's all friendly competition. I just remember when I got out there and got my timers all set up, and then as soon as it was time to go and I hit the start button, they just started flashing different patterns <laughs> across it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? There's always going to be one thing that's missing or one thing that goes wrong but that's every i remember day, right? that's every i day, remember right? one year i was competing i completely forgot my timers and everything and of course we can't have our smartphones out there so i wrote down a time on there and i think jason may have said something to me about where'd you come up with that time and i had to say <laughs> something like well i checked my sundial because <laughs> Yeah, and that's another thing is, like, I understand that, you know, it's it's not too, like, far in the past, but people don't understand how hard that actually is, and uh, there it seems like there might be some things coming up that's a little different, and some things may be changing, but to be completely honest with you, dude, that is a very, very, very stressful, hard event. I mean, just the sweat alone that you get because you know someone is judging you and then you've got a customer completely following you the whole time asking you questions or you can get a shitty proctor who does nothing just sits there 
And so you're just, you're trying to engage and it's all like random because you're trying to engage as Proctor and they're not asking questions. They're not writing anything down. And you're like, man, you, if you don't write this down, they don't know that I did it if they're not standing right here, you know? And, uh, or you get the try hard Proctor who has the best intentions. And like I ran across where I don't clean the glass before I dry set it because you have to clean the glass again afterwards. We inspect it very thoroughly and make sure that there's nothing wrong with the glass before we proceed. But it's a waste of time to decontaminate the glass and then turn around and have to decontaminate it again where you set it onto that dirty surface. Well, yeah, we're taught. We're, <laughs> honestly, we're taught dirty to dirty or clean to clean. You either clean mm -hmm. both surfaces or you go dirty both surfaces and I'm I'm on the the uh, train with you you dirty both surfaces because then you can course correct if something happens at that point after your dry set. Um yeah. That's kind of where I mean either way is perfectly fine just like you know your last video which was amazing by the way of on the body or on the glass. Um it doesn't matter with the urethane but like for me it doesn't matter how you dry set but if you if you're going to dry set dirty to dirty for me just seems like the the best thing to do so if they're like oh wait aren't you supposed to and it's like well we are going to decontaminate the glass right now that pinch weld's dirty so i'm going to leave my glass dirty after i inspect it so but yeah i think it's just and like i said you and i talk pretty much daily and, oh yeah uh, so you're kind of talking about the things going wrong um and i always see this since i started competing and it's always the whole, well, how much does that translate into real life? Well, to get to the level that you and I are, it has to translate pretty closely to real life or else when you're under pressure and you're under stress, you're going to forget a step and then you're out of the finals. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's, you know, that whole adage of you got to practice like you play. You got to play like you practice or however it's said in the sporting world. But like straight up, like we, you and I, I know for a fact yet yeah you and I have had some times in the past where you don't do it exactly the way you do it in competition but if you want to be a good competitor you have to do it for a couple years exactly how you're going to compete or else you're not going to remember something and you're going to forget and then it's going to be like oh shit what did what did I miss yeah I see there's a lot of criticism that it's not a real world application but I feel like 99% of it is. Well, yeah, I mean, just with any competition, it's not real world. I mean, from Sandlot to a baseball field is completely fucking different. I mean, that, like, and I love the, the statement of, well, you, one of all those that showed up, that's every fucking competition, dude. Like, it, it, like fucking LeBron beat, you know, the Bulls when Jordan wasn't there or something like that. It was like, Yeah, Jordan wasn't there, so he didn't show up. So, yeah, he beat the Bulls. It doesn't matter. I don't know. But it's, it is a good, I think it's a good test. I really do. As far as like real world scenarios, um, I think it's, you're right. It's pretty close. I mean, if you're not doing these things exactly like that, I mean, I get, if you pull up mobile, you're not going to have that pristine location. You know, I mean, that pristine work environment. And sometimes in your shop is not that, but as far as a technician, you know, to become better, you want to replicate that as close to that competition mode as possible. And yeah, there's a lot of ins and outs and paperwork and things like that, but that's anything you do. Competition. Yeah, and that's like my covers and everything mm -hmm. may not, I may be at the point now where I don't have to worry about dripping primer down a pinch weld and getting it on seats or 
not necessarily needing the hood cover on everything, but I've got logos on all that. So I use them very frequently because oh, yeah, that's, that's advertising. Yeah, that's marketing. And also like you can tell that your your covers and my covers are used a good bit just because not only like the little wear and tear, like my, my uh, yeah, I bought these off Kerbo covers as well. And some, you know, it is true. You can use just drop cloths as long as you're using something. But if you're going to spend the money on something that's advertised, why would you not use it? But like my Velcro straps are getting to where they're not fastening as well. Um, you know, they're faded, you know, getting faded yeah. and stuff. So like it, you know, we do use ours and people who buy them should use them, not just for the competition. You need to get into that. Because with me, if I'm a weird guy and if I'm not doing something the way that I'm going to not do it like that. Like if I'm not doing it, if it doesn't work its way into my my system of work, then I'm not going to do it when it comes time for something different. Like I have a certain way I do things and that way the most efficient. And if I have to get my covers out, they better be somewhere accessible. They better be nice and easy to put on, nice and easy to take off. And you know, there there was a comment and you know, I'm going to have someone on tomorrow which I'm not sure when I'm going to release it, but then we're going to talk about that kind of stuff, like the definition yeah. of a hack and definition and, of, and yes, you can use just, sorry, not to mean to cut you off there, but you can use just drop covers from, you don't have to spend a bunch of money, but your protection of the car is important. Oh yeah. And the customers notice, like it could be completely unrelated, but you notice I broke out new uniform shirts this year. Yes, sir. And since making the change back home, like it's, we're typically slow in the wintertime, and I often look forward to the slow period to kind of give me a chance to reset, catch my breath, work on the business instead of in the business. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just been nonstop. Yeah. So it's quite possibly completely unrelated, but the customers notice when you take pride in your work and work cleanly, and that's when they're spending the kind of money that a windshield costs nowadays, if especially like an insurance job or something where they're paying the same thing, regardless of who they choose, they're going to go with the ones that make them feel more comfortable. Oh, 100%. And do you, do you find it weird, the weird pride of people who are super proud of how fast they can get it done and that they can do an install that doesn't leak with shortcutting, cutting corners of whatever magnitude, whether it be round bead, whether it be stuffing, whether it be, um, you know, not primering, which is definitely bad. But, I mean, like, people kind of take a little weird pride in that, that they're okay with these things not being done. And you're the dork or the bad guy for doing these things. Not really the bad guy, but the, well, the, the whole fucking bitch you get them out on every fucking car. It's like, no, no, I don't get them out on every fucking car. But if it's And how long does it actually take to take even a BMW Calpan? Oh, amen. You know, amen. we're we're talking maybe five minutes yeah and if you add five minutes and what it gets me is these guys will take all that time rushing through the actual mechanics of the job and then take 10 minutes doing paperwork yeah and i I get that one thing that i've been passed along as a tip is if you can do if you know all of the tools that you need ahead of time and can carry them with you then you can say take everything apart on the driver's side and then move to the passenger side. And the fewer times you're back and forth to the van, the fewer times you're jumping back and forth from one side of the car to the other, that's actually going to save you a lot more time than something like trying to do the wiper salute. 
Oh, absolutely. And then also for me, it's I'll look at the next job on my list before I leave for that job. And a lot of times you have some jobs that you're between in, in the shop. It's not so much, but in the shop, you have everything readily available at your disposal close by. If you don't, then I'm not understanding that. But like, say you're doing a mobile for me, it's thinking about that job on the next, especially if I've done the car before on to the next job, I get, you got to pay attention to the road and everything, but it's thinking about, it's like, okay, I know the wipers come off with a 13. So I'm gonna need to make sure I get my 13. I know I need a Torx 20. I need this, 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 you know, and, and then you get those out in a flow and then you just, like, you're, you're right. The least wasted motions cost you more time than the wiper salute. I'm sorry. Wasted movements of, uh, 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 where do I go? What am I doing? Oh, what? Oh, uh, uh, I don't have it. <laughs> that's why I honestly think that's why, like, if you can get into a flow, a flow state with your job, you're better off because, dude, going back to your van, what, five extra times is close to the amount that it takes to pull the cow. Well, that's the main reason I switched to the pack out system as opposed to I used to have my mechanics toolbox. It's not like because the top of me. Chest. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the competition also plays a big part because the first year I had to carry all that stuff by hand. And then in between heats, I went and got a hand truck up at Lowe's and some ratchet straps to carry all that stuff. But it's amazing how much stuff you have to carry into that competition floor. And then like this year, they wanted to treat us like we were vendors and couldn't take our tools out and <laughs> acting like my, you were getting me. I thought you were going to get tackled on the way out of the door with the toolbox this year. Dude, I got to give, <laughs> I got to give my wife fucking gangster shit. Cause like, okay. So like my wife and I met when we were adults, so I didn't know her when she was in high school or anything, but like she, I guess she was like this when she was younger, but I've never seen this side of her at all. She went straight gangster on that fucking door later. She's like, yo, fucking stop me. What you going to do about it? And I'm just like, I ain't never seen, like I've seen myself do shit like that, but I ain't never seen my wife do anything like that other than be composed, you know? And oh my God. So like, I just kind of was like, I'm following her. <laughs> But I get it. I do under I do say like any kind of system you can get that puts you closer to the car with your tools, um, that you're not walking back and forth to your van because for the longest time, um, we all kept our toolboxes like you said, mechanics toolboxes in the van. So every time you needed to change tools, you had to um go back to the van. Now what I started doing when I had the mechanics, and I think you did this as well. When I had the mechanics toolboxes, I had a little uh, carry bag that once I got to the job, I put everything in that carry bag and moved it up to the car. Um, that's kind of like how I, I solved the problem of walking to the van 90 <laughs> times. Yeah, I've had similar, but I usually would just pull up right next to it. Nowadays, I've got that, um, got that little bag that mounts under the pack out, whatever they call that carry tote. Yep, yep, and yep. I can, it's amazing how much stuff I can get in there. I mean, oh. I've got, my bat, all my pry tools, my scrapers, you name it, ratchets, all that stuff. So other than my suction cups, my caulk gun, my little buddy, there's very little stuff that doesn't fit in that one little bag. And then I've got the bottom compartment that carries my cover so I can just roll it over there, which is great for working in dealerships and body shops where maybe you don't have room to pull your van inside. Yeah, and speaking of what you're talking about there, like, 
my I've got my three drawer and everything on rollers and I've got that big casket on rollers as well but there are times where I can't get close to the car so I have a backpack uh, surprise surprise Milwaukee backpack that I can pretty much fit everything for the car that I need in there minus my covers so my covers I'll usually tuck under my arm and then put my backpacks on and then the only thing I need to go back to the van for if anything because sometimes I'll carry my cock gun with me will be my cocking gun so I think those are all good tips for people like especially like the guys getting in it that don't understand that this isn't like a a uh, quick straightforward job you know unless you're going to do the wiper salute and you you know you listen to your guy that's been doing it since 2002 that hasn't progressed past 2002 because I mean, I'm not sure about you, but there, I had my stuffing days when I was first getting into this because that's what you were taught was right. And then once I left Triumph and went to Richardson and my manager that was at Richardson was like, dude, we don't fucking do that. Like, you got to <laughs> make sure. So basically, I had a year and a half of doing the shit fucking stuff wise because, you know, the guys that trained me, that's what they did. You know, they, that's how they did it. And that's what they taught me. And obviously I tried to not do that, um, as much as possible because like for me now, I know I'm fucking short, dude, I'm five, nine, but like I'm built weird. Like my legs aren't super long. I got a longer torso and short T-Rex arms, you know, like, <laughs> so like for me to stuff a windshield, dude, that was hard. For me, a lot of times the cow came off just simply for necessity of putting the fucking window in, man. <laughs> like, cause I, I had a hard time stuffing windshields. It was just, cause you have to be, you have to have like, you know, strong back muscles, strong shoulder muscles, and then you have to kind of angle it, drop the corner, tuck it, come back around and then lay it down. And, you know, the taller guys, that's a little bit easier for. Um, I've worked with some guys that were like six, five and up and, you know, it was easier for them to do that. But for me, dude, like it just made more sense instead of getting, you know, in a bad situation where I could hurt myself to just take the cow off. I mean, but I have stuffed. I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm better than that because I absolutely have stuffed the windshield and I've done the wiper yeah. salute. There's been some in the past, mainly if it's one where you can get away with it where the beads up higher and say the wipers are seized on there but it's a few few and far between and it's really not something uh speaking of wiper got... seized, um sorry not to, mean to cut you off it just hit my brain but speaking of wiper seized, do you use heat no i will use the pb blaster and let it soak and i use pullers on just about everything nowadays yeah i use They're pullers just... a lot too but i've actually um i had one that was stuck that um i usually just use heat and mm -hmm. you know it, it's tend to with a lot more vehicles nowadays when they does get corroded that the the cow is so shitty plastic that it fucking warps it right away so uh i was kind of wondering how like i've used pb blaster in the past before but i don't think it works fast enough um so i just kind of i have had i've had ones where we came back the next day to do oh, okay. i've worked a lot of the bosses I've worked for, if they caught you stuffing a windshield, it was instantly fired. You work for some good bosses because my Triumph days and my Safe Flight days, <laughs> that wasn't the case. Like, luckily, when I went to Safe Flight, I already had the training of, um, you know, the Richardson days because I left mm -hmm. for a little bit trying to make more money. Um, 
because let's be honest we don't as technicians we don't make a shit ton of money you you may have make more money because you're an owner but like as a technician like i don't make a shit ton of money and you know i had three kids and so i was chasing that dollar and so i went to safe flight and dude those were the worst couple years of my life because just not only redoing people's stuff but just the whole environment around that corporation and how you're just a number and the the customers are just a number once they get past the um the windshield installation and if you have a problem when you call back it's nothing but nonsense and the way the page was structured it was just it was a very fucking stressful two years and i'm not even gonna lie to you every month from the minute i got on at safe flight and i realized that the the dream they sold me wasn't the actual reality i emailed my current boss every month begging to come back and he finally after two years gave me a shot And that's another reason why my loyalty lies with, you know, with him. I mean, things may change in the future. I don't know what the, because obviously everybody knows I would love to be an owner. Um, You know, I want to build something for my granddaughter to be proud of. So, like, for me, you don't know what the future is going to hold. But, like, I do have a sense of loyalty to, you know, my boss because of the fact that he gave me a second chance. So, you were very lucky working for places because Triumph and Safe Flight, they did not give a shit. Now, I did have one place I worked for about a week, and then I just couldn't do it anymore. I'm not going to throw them under the bus. A lot of people would know who it is, but one of the trainers was teaching a new guy how to stuff windshields, and the trainee came over while I was working and started getting upset that I was not stuffing the windshield, saying I was taking too long, which... (laughs) <laughs> really doesn't take that much longer as we've already discussed so i basically told him i was going to do things my way uh i wasn't taking any shortcuts this was the correct way to do it he goes back to his trainer and i don't know what he said to his trainer but his trainer comes over angry as hell <laughs> starts talking trash I may have had a damp paper towel in my hand where I was cleaning it and tossed it his general direction and it may have bounced off of his nose. And the (laughs) next thing you know, a fight ensued over stuffing windshields with customers in the bay. (laughs) Dude, that's fucking gangster. It was such a low quality shop that nobody even got fired or written up for it. Oh, fuck. (laughs) This was somewhere where they were giving me one brand of expired primer for the glass and another brand. They didn't even give me body primer. And when I went to ask for it, he gave me another brand of glass primer that was expired. And I'm like, I can't be doing this, y'all. To which his response was, he was a felon and had got caught stealing medications from the hospital. So this was the only job he could get. And he just appreciated if he could get some help learning how to do it. I'm like, oh, I am out of here. Dude. Okay. <laughs> so the fact that anybody ref- <laughs> anybody says that I'm a felon and I got caught stealing medication and this is the only industry I could get into, it really bodes bad for our industry. And yeah. I respect the fact that you're not going to throw that company under the bus. And I'm sure that the company's triumphs no longer around, but I'm sure the companies that I work for <clears throat> uh, may be better now, but I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, this company has been bought out since I will say that 
the owner of the company at the time was in jail for insurance fraud. So <laughs> that's yet another reason to decide to break ties with them. I'm going to jump ship as fast as this motherfucker's sinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so we've told a few stories, and, you know, um, I'm definitely, obviously, you being such a good friend of mine, I'm going to have you on more. Um, just because, I, you know, both of us are, you know, instructors as well, so I think it'd be good for people to uh, have that, you know, this is kind of how we do it. We're not going to go step for step. We're not going to train you for, you know, via the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I do back and you back the Autoglass University. And I honestly, and I'm sure, I'm sure you feel this way too, that any place you can get formal training, obviously I'm biased to mine, but any place you can get formal training is you're doing yourself, no matter how many years you've been in the industry, you're doing yourself a solid of investing in yourself. So I think that's a good, that's a good thing to have. What about you? Yes. Yeah, so we will these formal classes teach you the correct way by the book. And I know there's a lot of people that laugh at that and say, there's no book. Actually, there is. Bob has written a book. They may not have purchased it. And trumping even that is the service information, which will be out there for every single vehicle. And there is a right way and a wrong way to do things. Um, and then varying degrees of everything in between no 100 so, and you know you could you actually get a copy of bob's book if you take our class just just so you know um so the autoglass safety council put out puts out this standard which is kind of like what everybody teaches to and you know there's a new one out now the ANSI agsc uh agris 005-2022 there's been some updates now this is an evolving document like this document completely changes with the industry. So it never really stays the same. So if, if someone's like, well, I have Bob's book from 2000 and, you know, the NGA days. And it's like, well, it's not the same. You know, some of the stuff is in the base principles of it are still the same, but it's not the same document and it's not the same thing. Like the new standard, um, I'm going to actually kind of go through a little bit. But just, mm -hmm. so, just so anybody realizes, the EGRIS standard addresses six critical areas related to the autoglass installation process, which is vehicle assessment, selection of glass and retention system, installation standards and adhesive bonding, installation standards of rubber gaskets. They, we do uh, you know, have a standard that when you're doing a rubber gasket that you have to follow in order to, to reduce some of your liability. Uh, continuing education in the auto, for autoglass technicians and just the, what I talked about before, it's a, it's a continually evolving shaping document. So, um, Aaron, if you're okay, I'd like to tackle with you a couple of things here. Um, so the scope. Okay, so this is the first thing you come up on, which is number one, which is the scope and purpose. An automotive glass replacement safety standard addressing procedures, education, and product performance for motor vehicles falling within the guidelines of applicable federal motor vehicle safety standards. So if you don't know, we have standards that relate directly to our industry via the Federal Motor Vehicle uh, Safety. Um, so, Aaron, what would you add to that scope or what do you get from that statement right there? Because this document's meant for anybody to be able to read. So the scope's just going to kind of lay out what our goal is, which is safe windshield installations and 
kind of give an overall view of, like you said, it all ties into the federal motor vehicle safety standards. If somebody gets in an accident, gets hurt, they're going to use that to base whether the technician was the one responsible for it or if it was unavoidable. If you're doing everything by the book, documenting everything like you're supposed to, following the proper installation instructions, there's never a complete no liability, but it's going to minimize your liability versus you see some people introducing their own cleaning agents, running their own kind of beads and everything. And if it's not following in, then that's where all of a sudden you're letting your adhesive manufacturer off the hook. You're letting the engineers for the car off the hook because this isn't the way that they designed it. So that means you're taking all of that liability on yourself. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, not only if you're called in, these these insurance companies in different places have scientists that can tell how you did the job. Regardless if you do, if you think that they can't, they understand how these chemicals and properties work. And they can even get down to tell how many layers of primer are on the car. You know, they can do all of that. So if you think that, oh, well, it's not going to matter. Well, it could potentially matter in the scope of our practice. And that's kind of all what I get for the, from the scope is it, it definitely lets us know that we have standards we have to follow to make sure that the liability on your company and the liability of an accident, you know, your customer being injured in an accident is kind of reduced a little bit if you do your job right. Um, So now the purpose, I'm going to go through these one by one with you, Aaron. It says it is 1.2.1 to improve the performance and practices of industry technicians and raise their level of professionalism. Now, for me, this means a lot because, you know, if you're not out there following any kind of guidelines, how do you recognize that you're professional if you've not tried to, you know, I mean, I get it. Professionals paid for a job. You're being paid for a service that makes you a professional, whether it's a, you know, person at McDonald's to us. But we, this standard lets you know that there is a way to increase your professionalism by learning and educating yourself for when asked, you can sound like a professional, not just a shade tree mechanic. What's your thoughts on that? Absolutely. And we even get that in with the proctors because they'll ask questions during the competition about, oh, it looks like it's raining um, or getting ready to rain. Is it going to be okay for us to have this car outside once it starts raining? And then you have to explain to them about how the main goal is getting it in before any kind of precipitation starts, even heavy fog plays in because of the condensation on the glass and everything. But it's, are you going to feel more comfortable with somebody that can rattle off these things? I know me and you can rattle off federal motor vehicle safety standards and eventually these talkative customers are like, okay, okay, good. I wasn't trying to get into all that so (laughs) (laughs) it kind of diffuses it a little bit but it's much more comforting that with that than oh uh i don't know let me go look that up real quick yeah and actually that's the next one that you talked about was you know it's uh to guide the industry and auto glass replacement procedures that meet the pertinent federal motor vehicle standard safety standard requirements so you know, as we're going along, this document is covering everything, you know, that you need to 
you know, be aware of and do, you know, if you don't even, if you don't get formal training other than your automotive uh, retention system, your urethane, which a lot of them have training. I know DuPont's training is extremely great. Seekage training is extremely great. I don't know about SRP or Dynatrol, but I'm assuming if they follow the standard, or they fall in the standard, their training is going to cover a lot of this stuff. But if you yeah. don't know this document exists and you've not read it over, I mean, take 10, 15 minutes and read it over and, you know, absorb it. And then once you're trained via your urethane manufacturer or via, you know, us, you can kind of settle in and understand the why. You know, this document is to provide you with that why. If you don't know that if, you're, if you, your urethane manufacturer tells you to wait 30 minutes for your safe driveway time, or now they're changing it to MDAT, minimum driveway time. Um, so, and I think the wording there, I'm not sure why they're changing that, but it sounds like to me, most urethane manufacturers are changing it to MDAT, the minimum driveway time. If you don't understand why that's important, via the rollover or the, you know, the federal motor vehicle safety standards that pertain to that, you know, you're releasing a customer too soon, not knowing that you're like really endangering that person's life if they were happen to be in an accident. And that's kind of ties back into how the safety council law got started back with the Gene Fransway case where a customer had a windshield replaced and the company let her drive immediately afterwards and it was back in the days of the slower cure urethanes and had an accident out on the way home and was ejected from the vehicle the windshield popped out and it was a really bad scene yeah and that's one of those things it may be a one in a thousand chance one in ten thousand chance but if if it's within your control to change something from a one in 10,000 chance to a zero in 10,000 chance, I would hope that we would all take that extra step to bring that. We all want to go to sleep at night knowing that our customers are safe. Yeah. And then as you read down on this uh, scope, you know, to achieve a consistency among automotive glass installation practices, that's all we want. And there's so many people out there that even though they don't know the standard or but they've been exposed to the Facebook groups and exposed to things like, you know, uh, the 2020 uh, episode that you're actually referring to where it covers this whole thing. Um, they actually want to do it better, not understanding that, you know, these principles and these uh, procedures have been set forth by people who have researched this. Everything is science backed and everything is trying to improve customer safety but also like you said make you sleep at night like because you've done a consistent job a consistent set of skills is what this standard is trying to get people to want to achieve you know because to me this standard tries to inspire people to figure out why we're doing what we're doing yeah and let's think of it this way even if you're getting paid by the job say you're getting paid really well. You're getting paid a hundred dollars a job by cutting those shortcuts and putting somebody's life at risk. Is it really worth putting somebody's life at risk over being able to make another hundred dollars and your business at risk? That's another big thing. Like a lot of people. Yeah. But even, even if it's not your business, even if you're just a technician, I mean, that makes it even worse. That's an even lower amount of money that, you're willing to put somebody's life at risk for i'm just 
ultimately it's... the technician is the one responsible now they've never sued a technician but in reality they can't um it i've had conversations with bob and about this and stuff ultimately the responsibility of how that is done is on the technician your urethane manufacturer can be like well he was trained properly and we have did scientific you know studies on this product and we've actually looked into the product he used and it held up like it's supposed to it was his cleaning or his shortcut method or whatever it might be and then your boss can be like well we provided him with the training he needs he should have known better so at the end of the day you could face the lawsuit instead of your company now there's never been a case on record that i'm aware of but ultimately the technician is the one who is responsible for that yes and that's another reason why like just throwing a hail mary i mean like hey let's do the wiper salute that's like and i get if you're paid per part sometimes you're wanting to you know move it faster but at the end of the day you're the one signing that that certificate saying that you you know that piece of paper saying that you did the job correctly they can go That was a little rant. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, we have better adhesives nowadays. I've had times where, and that's one thing I don't like about doing mobiles with long driveway times because I've seen people, you give it to them in writing, you leave a hang tag, you tell them, you have them sign that they understand this is the driveway time. Then it's the job before lunch. You go directly across the street to McDonald's to get you lunch. And guess who pulls up behind you in the drive through line? Dude, I've had motherfuckers That person beat me you into just told they couldn't drive for two hours. Yeah, dude, I've had motherfuckers beat me out of their driveway. And you're like, what in the fuck? And that's another reason why, you know, that timer starts as soon as you deck that urethane. So another reason why taking the cow panel off and doing all these things, they may take a little longer, but it also takes a little bit longer, I guess, to put it back together. So you actually gain at least 10 minutes of driveaway time right then. And then you talk to them a little bit and then you're at 15, 20. So you tell them a half hour and, you know, but in reality, they they can drive in 10 minutes and pass, you know, all but 216A um, of the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards. And... Like, like you said, you've had them and I've had them like motherfuckers beating us out of the driveway. It's like, dude, I just fucking told you, I gave you a hang tag. I've it's wrote on the paperwork. You've signed. I've signed, you know, I've told you multiple times. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not a problem. I don't have to go anywhere. And then all of a sudden your, their car's done and you know, they're pulling up, like you said, behind you at McDonald's or you're sitting there and you watch them pull up to the Moo car wash to go through the fucking high pressure spreads. You just told them not to do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and we've all had those customers where you 30-minute driveway time and you kind of hang out there doing some extra polishing and everything because you know, like I had one guy, they had been drinking, they were getting ready to go up and get some more beer, and it's nightmare customer. They even asked if they could use my van to go up to the store. I'm like, oh, no, I've got tools <laughs> on there I need. But I had to, they should not have been driving to begin with. Yeah, And I had to make certain that I waited there at the very minimum of that minimum driveaway time because did they go driving? I don't know, but I had to, there was enough of a, I don't know that I felt like I had to sit there until the driveway time had passed. 
Oh, I'm telling you, are some of them that like are standing there waiting on you, waiting on you and talking to you and talking to you. And it's like they're waiting on their government check to come in on the first and the 15th because they got to go spend that money. They got to go drive that car. And you're just like, really, dude, like calm down there, meth man. I like, <laughs> you know, like, like literally I, you need to, you know, and that that's also where your personality comes into relating to customers because once you get it set and it's done and you know it's got to wait and you know, like you said, this customer is just going to go, you can actually engage and talk. And I know your boss is probably, oh, what's taking you so long? But to be honest with you, if you're sitting there talking, you're having a good time with the customer and the next thing you know, the driveway time is met. So you're like, okay, go. And then if they beat you out of the driveway, they beat you out of the driveway. You've actually done your due diligence to you know, I just, and also your due diligence, I think you have to be done because dude, the shit glass we get here and, you know, here in the last fucking 15 years, it's just, it's just, I don't know. I oh, don't, the, the last few years have been terrible. You. Oh man. It's really, the glass is just like, it is just not Yeah. If, if you don't check your glass ahead of time, you are, are going to lose money. Oh. 100%. And I noticed that Michael um, did a video of he picked the part up and then it was broken and all this stuff. Dude, like that is one thing that I have struggled with in the past and that I've tried to really, you know, because back in our days in the early 2000s up to the mid 2000s, you got the right part and your part wasn't damaged and delivery drivers took care of your shit. But here recently, dude, the amount of scratches, the amount of shit contamination on the glass and then this the wrong parts, period. Like, I, I agree with you. You've got to check your glass. The glass is just, and mirror buttons falling off, and double-sided taping on fucking yeah. moldings. It's just ridiculous, dude. Like, the amount, the I've, amount of... Cooking. I've had boxes that I opened up that had a different brand of glass in it than it was supposed to. I've got a friend that picked up a Mopar part, a door glass, and in the sleeve was a PGW Yeah, like, what's, what the fuck's up with that? Like... <laughs> I mean, like, really? It's like, this is Mopar. I'm picking it up from a Dodge dealer. Like, why am I getting a PGW part? I'm sorry the part's on back order and PGW has the part, but I'm not paying for that customer. The customer's not paying for that because well, here's the reason. If it's a warranty and they walk out and they see it's got PGW glass, even if you did it for the dealer, it doesn't matter. They're not warranting it now. Dodge will not warranty. It's not their glass. Yeah. And this was at a distributor, but this just goes to show this is probably part of the reason why the return process has become more difficult lately because people were doing stuff like this. I worked years ago at another company. We opened up a car light slider and there was a used part in there. Yeah. Yeah. People, you know, try to have urethane yeah. on it. Yeah. And, and try, <laughs> you know, and that obviously, you know, they have to do their due diligence to make sure that they're not getting ripped off. But, like, that's another reason why you have to really make sure you're doing your job correctly, because these glass companies that are manufacturing this glass, not all of them, but a good majority of them, they're cutting corners with the two-sided tape and, they're, and, and stuff that, you know, the customer doesn't, like, let's say they've got the cow panel retainer that snaps into it and it's two-sided taped on, you put it in, everything's fine. Well, then that two-sided tape is just shit quality, so it loses it and then the cow panel slides down. The, the customer's not going to understand well, that's just the brand of glass you bought. No, they're coming back and they're looking at you to fix it. And now you have to fix it. Even if the glass manufacturer re replaces it because of a manufacturer defect, they're not paying for your labor for that second time. And the customer sure is the fuck not going to pay for your labor again. So you're losing money. It's, it, it is a definitely a stressful situation right now with, 
it's even more important to do what you can do to make sure that you're doing your part right. Mm. Aaron? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was like, I mean, oh shit. <laughs> no, like, you hadn't lost me. Yeah, I was like, shit, I just took I just took a whole fucking turn down that whole road of yeah. <laughs> and I get why a lot of uh you know, a lot of these glass companies they don't like me because I'm not an owner. Okay. And here's why. It's like a lot of times the owners, that's the only place they can buy the part. So they'll kind of suck it up a little bit. But like I've had a sales guy come out and tell me, I don't know if you've faced this, you probably have 1505s nowadays run short so they're sitting like above the setting blocks on the bottom ford factory setting blocks at least a half an inch most of the time so you got to use tape or some retention system to hold it up until you know it doesn't slide or whatever and i was talking to a sales guy about that and you know what he told me he's like well most guys just put an extra setting block in there and roll with it i said i shouldn't have to fucking fix your glass yeah i'm paying for a product i shouldn't have to fix your fucking glass for me to be able to use it and he's like oh yeah uh yeah and then like obviously we don't we just do what we can do but it's the truth we should not have to fix that we're relying on them to provide us with a quality part and the bows here lately of glass is just terrible man i've even gotten car light parts that i had to warranty out from distortion on a side bend <laughs> and of course know. it was one with the one-time use explorer side molding so on top of having to eat the cost on the glass, ended up having to eat the cost on the labor, the side moldings. It was a nightmare, but even if we're not going to get credit for it, we still have to make it right for our customers. And like I said, that's even more of a reason to make sure that you're doing the job right. You know, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess it's a rant on my side, and maybe people will listen to this. Maybe they won't. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it is, and it's not just for the quality of glass. I'll I'll leave it at this. It's not just isolated incidences, because even in a situation where a particular brand is sponsoring an event, they have some windows that are wrong in that event they're sponsoring <laughs> just to just to kind of throw that out there kind of like you know that sometimes they come with extra parts extra parts right or sometimes the the camera brackets don't stay intact they fall apart before you get a chance to even touch them like i don't know so i mean i don't know if there's a way to fix it i don't think you know i don't know how this is going to progress you would think with the adas the way that a lot of people are calibrating now. A lot more people are calibrating that the aftermarket industry would want to step up their quality because if they're not able to be used because they can't calibrate it, then they're going to be losing money to the OE. Um, I will say these manufacturers have unique challenges nowadays. It's tougher than ever. It used to be really easy to make an aftermarket part that would pass. All you had to worry about was moldings. Half the time, you didn't even have to worry about moldings because everything clipped on. But nowadays, it's it's a lot for them to put out. There's a lot more that goes involved with putting out a quality part. So I agree. I agree. Hopefully, gonna... hopefully, everything will kind of pick up as the years go by, and more and this becomes more and more commonplace. I agree. I agree. And I it's, don't it's been a long time since I've seen the 
GM brackets that the pins were out of place and you couldn't slide the bracket on. And that used to be fairly common. Yes. Fair, yeah, absolutely. Um, and there is like, uh, I do know like Gary at the IGA, if or e-glass direct or e-direct glass and IGA, if you can actually go to the glass part match website. And even if you're not a member, you can submit to that. You're getting bad parts and it's a run of them. Like, Hey, every, Chevy truck I get the pins are out of place and then he'll actually run it up the chain of you know command of the you know the manufacturers and try to get it fixed so there is a little bit of a resource and I'm not going to sit here and try to slam them even though I do have my bias with that I do think you are correct with aftermarket glass it is getting to where they're having a harder time reverse engineering these pieces of glass from the factory and they will catch up I mean that's just but we have to deal with the interim and that's like i'm not looking at big picture i'm looking at my little through my little viewfinder so i agree i'm not going to slam them completely you are correct they have a hard job so and see, uh, I, I remember the back in the day when fyg you could hardly even use it because it was always so distorted and bad bends and everything and they've come miles Oh, from yeah. their original product. We used to call him fuck you glass guy. <laughs> <laughs> because it was, everything was so bad. But, and you know, that's another thing, like you being my friend, you like a lot of times I'll get pigeonholed into these, like where I'm going on, like this fucking sucks. This is, and honestly, you were really good at stepping back and like bringing me out to the bigger picture of things, you know, cause I get into that technician mode. And so I do thank you for that because you have been a wealth of, calming for me you know you and lisa both do that to me you're like hey 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 bigger picture motherfucker <laughs> this this little this little piece of whatever is not going to fucking ruin your day bigger picture bigger picture so i really do think that you know you guys have definitely helped me a lot with that so i appreciate that um but we're coming up on just under an hour man um so is there anything else that you want to talk about any funny stories you might have or you just kind of want to end it here until the next episode kind of dr dre it yeah, I'll say the same token with the um, glass having to keep up with things is our ADOS having to keep up with things. I mean, we're always, I just ran across one last week where I'm going to have to get some more targets. I ended up having to do a Toyota with the wide angle as a dynamic instead of a static, which most days I'd be doing a backflip over that option, but I was working late up at the shop and it was about 9 30, 10 o'clock at night. And I was just wanting to get the static done and over with, but they had released new targets and it was the first one that I'd dealt with on that one. So I guess they're going to where it's got to be done as a one-time triple target instead of doing the sequential where you move it from spot to spot mm -hmm. and it's always going to, as long as car technology is advancing at the rate it is now, it's always going to be a catch up for us. Yeah. Now, and I'm... that's why I got trained from Bob way back in the day, probably around 2001 or so when I was working for Benzwanger and it was great. But obviously since things have changed since then, the training that we get from Bob nowadays is amended to cover these new 
things that we have to deal with, like ADOS and everything. And it's, that's why it's just super important for us not to get into the mind frame of, I already know everything. I've already been trained. This is what's been working for me for 20 years. It may have been working, but as things change, we need to be able to adapt to them so that we can stay on top of things. Absolutely. And the cool guys in the industry, like back in the day, the cool guys in the industry, they were just one, one dimensional. And what mm-hmm. I will say is, especially with, you know, you know, the Facebook and everything is the cool guys of the industry are the ones who are wanting everybody to become multidimensional and move with the move with the industry. So I think that's another big step because we're going to be creating an environment to where everybody wants to be at a level of, I want to know and be able to do everything. But Back to the ADAS thing, I honestly wish manufacturers gave you the option and made targets or whatever, gave you the option to either perform a static or a dynamic. And here's my reasoning behind this, is where you live in an an environment to where dynamics would be more beneficial to you because you always have decently consistent weather. You might run into some rain or hurricane or something like that. But for us up here in Ohio, soon as it gets snow on the ground, even if they clear it real good, you still have the salt and the brine on the road that kind of creates that, or you have the reflection of the snow coming back. Yeah. So like we will have to kind of schedule around that sometimes. And, you know, I know Glenn asked this at my uh, talk I gave at Autoglass week and, you know, there are going to come times with people that you have to, when it's a dynamic calibration, you have to take weather into account. Oh, it's, it's, don't, don't cut us short down here. We get our cold weather up. <laughs> I had to break out my jacket this morning. The first one I set, I'm uh, looking down here at my AGSC record on it. And it was 56 degrees this morning. Yeah. 56 degrees. I woke up to 22, but besides, besides <laughs> the cold and the fog and the rain and, you know, even us up here with the daylight savings time, you know, and you as well run into this is like, okay, so your day runs long and now it's dark. So you can't do the dynamic. So now you're having to put the customer off because your day ran long. And whereas if they gave you that option to go in and perform either or, you could hit that static, that customer's done. And, sure. and we get ones, our thing is more rain for the dynamics, keeping us away from doing the dynamics. So hurricane season, I've had ones where I'm doing a windshield as a hurricane is approaching town. Everything's getting windy. You just about have to tape it down to the windshield stand to keep it on there. Yep. And once the rain comes, it may not stop raining for a week. And you, you could, whereas you could take that vehicle inside and do a static, you know what I mean? Or if you're mobile and you're doing it and you have an environment you can go into and do the static, um, you could do it with the rain being what it is. Whereas like, okay, this is a dynamic. Now I've got to wait. Um, obviously these are, you know, things that they can tackle, you know, as it comes with the manufacturing of vehicles, but I wish they would give us that option. You could do either or now I get it. A lot of guys would just be like, well, got to do the dynamic and mess with the, the stereo targets today. They never even have to do. And it takes away, you know, the whole, you got to buy the stand with all these targets. And, but if they gave you the option, I, I think it would be better because, like I said, for us, environment is huge part of our dynamic calibrations. Now, we do all of our calibrations inside. That's a whole monster I don't want to even uh, grab right now. <laughs> <laughs> but for us, it works better for us to do all of our 
calibrations inside for statics and obviously the dynamics outside. But, you know, that's, that's a, uh, that's a heated topic. I said on the ADAS board and that is a heated, heated topic of whether you can do a static calibration mobile or not. And I think it, that will become the new stuffing issue, if you will, because everybody's going to have such a strong opinion on it the way people have a strong opinion on whether you have to pull the cow or not yeah and that's one where i'll let the engineers make their determination i know i like to stick with using a dedicated power supply for the vehicle and everything and being able to control lighting so i'm on board with the bring it in shop plus i just as someone who has a shop to work out of i'm all for forcing the customer into in shop whenever possible because i can get more done yep i don't spend all that time i live down here at the beach so one thing that's a big problem with our dynamics is golf carts oh yeah everybody drives a golf cart yep. people cut in front of you when you're driving down the road with a golf cart <laughs> so it's sometimes can be tough to have a spot where you can get up to speed and not take 30 minutes to do a calibration because you're always having to stop. Yeah. 100%. And you know, I, I'm not going to jump into that whole inside outside. I know we do ours inside. Um, and obviously the dynamics are done outside for us. So, I mean, I would be nice if we could do just choose which one you want to do. Who knows if that's going to become, because Toyota made it a choice now, obviously with the one that you did. Um, mm-hmm. who knows if you're going to be able to do that in the future. It may be the way that the industry is going. It may not. Um, I personally feel better performing a static calibration than a dynamic. Um, dynamic is way easier, obviously, um, unless you have the environmental issues of a golf cart or you don't, your, your stretch of road is straight, but there's no objects on the side of the road. It doesn't pick up street signs, you know, for uh, traffic sign recognition. It doesn't, you know. So then you're driving, your drive turns from, you know, 10 minutes to 30 minutes. So um, uh, hold on one second, Aaron. All right. Sorry about that, everybody. I uh, I just received a phone call from uh, Nationwide, and I had to take it real quick. Um, Aaron's still on the line with us, but, like, I got in an accident a few months ago and waiting to get my tools replaced, and they finally came through with that. So, um, Aaron, in closing, uh, do you have anything that you want to say? And please promote your business again. Um, with whatever you want to promote it with. Uh, I know this is going to be industry specific as far as people who listen to it. And if anybody wants to support the show, please share it with anybody you think would gain benefit from it. So go ahead, Aaron. I would just say just to keep in mind while we're out there, we may not get credit for saving lives, but there's definitely some life saving that's out there by doing the job correctly. Do something that you take pride in. A lot of times, you know, if you're doing something wrong and the fact that your inner voice is telling you you're doing something wrong should be your first time. But it's crazy the way people drive out there nowadays. It's probably more often, more likely than ever that a customer is going to be in an accident. And we just need to make sure that we do our part to make sure that they're safe. So Absolutely. Just, just everybody put their best foot forward. 
try and be organized and clean when you work. That makes things go faster. The more repetition you do, doing things by the book in the correct way, the faster that it'll be. Um, so the more times you do it, the less of an argument you have for it saves time. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. And that, those are beautiful uh, words and parting words. And I, I definitely uh, appreciate you as my friend and anybody else who needs any. Aaron's on uh, Facebook a lot. I'm on Facebook a lot. Um, we're both instructors with the Autoglass University. Um, hit us up if you need anything. Um, you know, like we might not answer you right away because we're busy people, but we try to stay on top of keeping information out there. And please, everybody, like Aaron's last video, Instructional, because him, the one he did was awesome, and I want to see more of those. <laughs> Just like, I mean, it was short, to the point. It had everything you needed. You know, Raul does that, those same style videos. Um, they're not, like, super, you know, long. You're not doing a full vehicle, but you're doing the parts that are important. So please put more of those out, Aaron, please. Yeah, anything anything can do to help out. Be glad to help out in any way possible. Uh, sometimes we get cars that are just not that common of car that we may need a little bit of a help from somebody that's done them in the past. And I feel like most people out there are more than happy to share their knowledge. Absolutely. So on that, we're going to end it. Thank you, Aaron. And uh, everybody, enjoy your day. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Put Them on a Glass podcast. I am James Chapman, your host. I'd like to give a special thanks to uh, Delta Kits, Delta Windshield Repair Kits. That's deltakits.com. Hey, guys, it's what I use. Uh, solid kits. Can't complain. Get a hold of Corey over there, and uh, they'll take care of everything you need. So deltakits.com. Uh, until the next episode, I appreciate you guys. Peace. Love each other.